that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, Stephen Means. Nathan Baird, he's back from the availability report. He's alive and well. I don't know if I'm well, I'm alive. <laughs> he's alive, he's breathing. Andrew Gill is joining us as well as we preview Ohio State's week nine matchup, eighth game of the season, ninth week of the season, matchup against Wisconsin on the road at 7.30 on NBC. Wisconsin was ranked the start of the year. I think they were 19th in the preseason ranking and were that for the first two weeks until they lost to Washington State the second week of the season. And they haven't been ranked since. They've lost to Iowa, and they're 5-2 and two on the season. And we'll get into that shortly here. But first, little news. Nathan Ryan Day on his radio show did specifically talk about a certain player who may or may not be available, who has not played since the Notre Dame game. And so we'll start with that. Should Ohio State fans be expecting to see Travion Henderson on Saturday against Wisconsin? That's what Ryan Day says. Ryan Day says full go. He's a full go. He's had a great week of practice, so he'll be back. And I think what that's good for a couple of reasons. It's good for Ohio State to get him back and, you know, try to, as I said before, in some of these injuries, kind of get guys in a groove, get them building towards what they're going to have to be for that Michigan game in a month. But it's good for the Big Ten and good for college football to get Trevin Henderson and Braylon Allen on the field together one last time, potentially. I mean, we don't know what, what's what's ahead for those guys. They're both draft eligible after this year, obviously, though. So if 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 either one or both decides to move on, this will be the last time they get to go head-to-head. And both had pretty decent games against each other last year at Ohio Stadium, although Ohio State um, clearly had the better of Wisconsin overall. So, you know, this is a, a good challenge for, you know, both these defenses try to stop these uh, potential home run hitters. Andrew, what about the other two? Very important pieces here, Mecca Buka and Denzel Burke. He got asked specifically about both of those guys, along with Travion Henderson, Wednesday night. Did the vibe he give off, you know, make you want to believe that at least one of those two will also be available on Saturday? Well, I think the guy that would be most likely would be a Mecca. Um, you know, Stephen and I were at the Woody Hayes Center, and and you know, Ryan Day's talking, and you're kind of looking over your shoulder, seeing who's coming off the field at practice. Um, you know, he said they're hopeful to get Denzel Burke and Emeka Buka back. Uh, obviously, um, he added Trevion Henderson to that, but today's, you know, on his radio show, he kind of talked a little bit differently about that. So you feel good about that, you're, but you're hopeful to get Burke and Ibuka back. We saw Emeka walk off the field. Uh, Steven and I did. We saw him walk off the field in full pads. So that doesn't mean that he was a full participant. It doesn't mean that he even practiced really. I mean, it just means that we saw him coming off the field in full pads, but I, I would, you know, I, I would say that that means good things for his availability, whether it's this week or next week, considering, you know, last week when, um, you know, when Ohio state played Penn state, we were in the end zone kind of watching him or right behind the end zone, kind of watching him work out. He was going through some stuff with trainers kind of looking like he could test some things out see if he could give it a go against Penn State while the uh, the school session was going on. So he was all by himself on the field. Denzel Burke, we did not see. We don't know. Um, he would be the guy that I would say that if you're ranking them from least likely to most likely, uh, Denzel would be the guy who you would probably not see on Saturday. But we don't know. You know, if, if, if Ohio State says they're hopeful, um, you would assume that. But again, we didn't see Denzel. We did see Emeka. Ryan said that about Travion today, so that's where we're at with the injuries. We'll uh, we'll see. And and by the way, just as a you know, not to name the big three, uh, Jihad Carter was on crutches um, after practice mm-hmm. on Wednesday night. So we did see him. he was in full pads, but we saw him walking off um, with a coach with crutches. So he uh, we'll see what what the, what the deal is with that. And Carter did leave the Penn State game on a I think it was kick return. He got injured on a play there. But yeah, he was in pads, but it didn't look like he was doing – he had done anything right. during practice because his jersey was spot clean, like it just came out the washing machine. We did see Travion Henderson as well. Like, as you mentioned, we didn't see Denzel Burke, but that doesn't mean he wasn't there. We just – us two did not see him. But the way Ryan Day talked in generalization about those three guys, Burke, Henderson, and Emeka Buka, he said those guys – 
have all had good weeks. We're expecting those guys to be available for sure. And so sign up for the tech 614-350-3315. When that availability report comes out, it'll be going to your phone first. Two-week free trial, $399 after that. 614-350-3315. So let's get into these Badgers. Nathan, this coming into the season, I think we both kind of agreed that if there was a stumble spot on the schedule for Ohio State, it was at Wisconsin at night the week after you played what was probably going to be a tough emotional game against Penn State. And now we're here, but some things about Wisconsin have changed. Obviously, Tanner Mordecai getting injured and being out for extended amount of time and them having to play Braden Locke at quarterback, but also just seeing Wisconsin play football. Are you still on alert for the quote-unquote trap game for Ohio State against Wisconsin, or is that you know, idea maybe lessened because of some of the things you've learned about Wisconsin. I'm on alert for this to be a, a tougher game than um, perhaps even the, the betting line would suggest. I mean, it's they're, they're favored by a couple of touchdowns here um, that I, it's just a game that I think Ohio state can't take for granted that there's enough going on here between a road environment like this coming off of an emotional win. So I guess in one in that case, it's not really something that has anything to do with Wisconsin, just something you're worried about in general. You're playing a coach who knows what he's doing. And while he is rebuilding this program, I think those guys are still dangerous week to week. And um, you've got some talent on this team. So no, I would not look at this now that I know what I know. Um, I kind of feel like maybe... I think to come into the season and say, well, this looks like it's probably an 11 and one team. I don't know that that was a misfire. I think that maybe the Notre Dame game was the one they were supposed to lose. And then they just didn't lose it. Um, if, if Of the two, I think we just picked the wrong tough road game for the first half ish part of the season. And then they didn't end up losing it. Um, but I still think that Wisconsin's a team that you have to give some credit to. I think they're the best team in the West. I, I do. I think they're better overall than Iowa, even though I know Iowa beat them head-to-head, but I would take what Wisconsin has over a full year um, over what Iowa has, especially if Tanner Mordecai is, is fully healthy. Andrew, Wisconsin does have some talent. Obviously, Nathan's already mentioned Braylon Allen, who was looking for, I think, his third 1,000-yard season in his career, which that's what Wisconsin does. They produce running backs, you know, going back to you know Jonathan Ta- Taylor days, Melvin Gordon, on down the list here. That's what they do. But even on the defensive side, I think they've got some guys. They've got a cornerback by the name of Ricardo Hallman, who's got a pick six this year. He's got a a, a PFF grade of 82.9 coming into this game. And he's got four interceptions, one of which he returned for a touchdown. And he's been targeted 30 times, but he's only led to that's only led to 16 catches. He's like their Denzel Burke, as in he shuts down that side of the field. And when you're looking for defensive backs who look like they might be interesting matchups for Marvin Harrison Jr., even if it's not for the full game. I think that's where you go first with a guy like Ricardo Harmon. Are there any other guys on this Wisconsin team, when you're talking about potential trap games, of why this could serve as that going on the road against Wisconsin? I look at the offensive line as as something that could really impact this game, and specifically their two tackles. Um, you know, you get Nelson and Malman on the outside. I mean, I was looking this up earlier, six, seven, three, 11, six, eight, three, 20 at left and right tackle. Those are massive human beings. Like those are like almost Dewan Jones sized human beings. Those are really, really big dudes. And I think that Ryan kind of mentioned this on the radio show that they have the ability to kind of cover some things up and cover you up on the defensive line. And that is what makes Braylon Allen dangerous. And we have seen at points this year where teams can run the ball on Ohio State. You know, I thought Notre Dame did a really effective job in the second half of that game, moving the ball in the run game against uh, against the Buckeyes. The Penn State game plan mystifies me to this day because it felt like in the first half of that game, they were actually kind of getting some things going on the ground. And then they just decided to try and throw it as much as they could. And I don't really understand that. But Penn State, for a brief moment in time, uh, had some success running the ball. So I I look at those two guys and, and really the entire offensive line from Wisconsin. Like It's a typical Wisconsin offensive line still, even though 
it is kind of a different Wisconsin. You know, everybody talks about the philosophical change between, you know, the old style of Wisconsin and the new style of Wisconsin. And now they have a slot receiver and it's like, it's a big deal that Wisconsin has done this, but their offensive line is still really good and still really big. I mean, their two guards are six foot five and over three ten, and their center is the smallest quote unquote of the bunch at six, four, three ten. Like these are some big, big boys on the offensive line. And I think that, if you're talking about a game that has elements of trap game, of sluggish game, of bring you down into the mud, however you want to phrase it, I think that it's going to start with the Wisconsin offensive line, actually, because we have seen Ohio State kind of struggle in certain regards with the run game. And if Wisconsin can run the ball and Ohio State has to get one dimensional, you know, you get a three and out and all of a sudden Wisconsin goes on a seven minute touchdown drive or something like that, you know, just like Notre Dame did. That's how this game, I think, gets closer than, you know, maybe that what a lot of people might think it would be. And like Nathan said, maybe even what the betting line is right now. So I think the offensive line is where I turn my my attention. I know it feels cliche for me to say the offensive line because it feels like I say the offensive line every week, but it's huge this week. And it's huge because they are huge. So I, uh, I'm looking to see how the offensive line kind of handles Ohio State's defensive line or if they don't handle it and how, uh, how that matchup plays out. I think that goes in ten. I mean, that's the reputation at Wisconsin is that they run the ball well. This year, they're averaging 4.87 yards per carry, 16 touchdowns, 180 yards per game. But Nathan, I, I think we've talked about this and how sometimes Ohio State can get gashed in the run game, especially we saw it early on against Penn State until they shut it down. And then Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen couldn't do anything for the rest of the game. I think the raw numbers actually combat that idea of them getting gashed in the run game. They're 12th in the country in yards per carry at 3.01. And obviously they're giving up 100 plus yards per game. But I do think a lot of that is they've played some teams who have strictly run the ball, whether you're talking about Indiana, where you're talking about Youngstown State, obviously Notre Dame relied heavily on the run with Audric Estime. But I thought the most interesting thing is – Coming into this game, Braylon Allen, I think, has all but like two games this year where he's had at least 100 yards rushing. But then you look at the teams Ohio State's played, and there's top back. Devin Mockaby from Purdue, he had 110 yards on 18 carries. I thought he started gashing Ohio State a little bit, especially in that second half. Other than that, the only running back who's had more than 50 yards is Audric Estime. He had 70, ca- 70 yards on 14 carries. The gash, we've seen it, but is it actually a problem? for this Ohio State defensive line and the defense in totality stopping the run? Well, it it just seems like it it looms as like the one thing that they haven't completely shut off to me. But I I think it's a fair point that clearly there have been some of those, those individual plays. What you haven't seen this year is those plays pile up. They've done a good job of, yeah, they get hit by a play. Kind of that's what's kind of supposed to happen. I mean, this is Big Ten football. Like, I don't care who you're playing. Like th- these other teams have good players. You're gonna get in, and it's Notre Dame, and it's it's you know, even Western Kentucky is a good group of five program. Like th- they're gonna hit you for plays once in a while. That can't be something that spirals into a problem after that. And I think maybe the hallmark of this defense this year has been how quickly they adjust and shut the next set of dry downs off. Right? Like this was the textbook of this was Penn State. I mean, Penn State had several plays in that game, first down plays that were like big plays. And it did lead to a couple of their like early drives. Like I know one of those early field goal drives was off of like hitting some big plays early and then still Ohio State like stiffened up and kept them out of the end zone. But for the most part, they are just not even letting teams in the red zone this year. And that tells you that they're, those teams are hitting those plays and then Ohio State is choking it off before it becomes a problem. Whereas last year, it seemed like those things would either build on each other or um, when they when teams hit big plays, there was nothing back there to, to choke it off from being a, a touchdown. Like that's where the crisis was last year, as we brought up. Like explosive plays are one thing, explosive touchdowns are another. And Ohio State's kind of allowing neither this year, but all it really had to do was transition from allowing the explosive touchdowns to allowing explosive plays. Like that would have been a step forward. You're still keeping them out of the end zone, making them settle for field goals and such. So I think you're right. I think it's probably, it is a little bit nitpicking at this point. But I also think that the most complete version, so they're they're also like seeing progression here, right? Like Notre Dame was a good offensive line and estimates a good back. And then they had, you know, 
Penn State is an okay offensive line with a couple of okay backs, guys who um, really kind of aren't living up to the promise that they had shown earlier in their careers, and I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure why that's happening. This week, you're going to see another good offensive line and another good running back, and you know Wisconsin always produces. Like It feels like every NFL draft, there's some Wisconsin guy going off and and as a as a legitimate fairly big time NFL prospect, right? First or second day off of this offensive line. Maybe a couple of them. That's just like their that's what they do up there. But all of that builds towards what may be the best combination of those things at the end of the season, which is the backs that Michigan has, the offensive line that Michigan has, and how all of that fits together. So again, it's it's all everything is is grading against this theoretical that we've said at the end of the year, which is how you stopped Penn State, does that translate to how you can then stop Michigan? And that I think that that will still be instructive this week, how they can stand up to a really, as, as Andrew was saying, is detailing there, like a big offensive line and a really good back, a veteran back, a guy who knows what he's doing out on the field. Like, how do you stand up to that? And what does that tell us about how ready they are or how much more they need to grow in these next three weeks heading into Michigan? Andrew. If I asked you to compare Notre Dame's offensive line to Wisconsin's offensive line, but then also Notre Dame starting running back to Wisconsin starting running back, which offensive line would you take and which running back would you take? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Every so often. Every so often. Blind um, squirrel. Nut. Blind, I was just yeah. about to say blind squirrel. <laughs> Dang it, Nathan. Um, you know, I would take, Notre Dame's offensive line because I think the high end, like the ceiling of Notre Dame's offensive line is better because Wisconsin's offensive line is good. Don't get me wrong. And I just kind of detailed that uh, you would, I mean, you wouldn't want to see him in a pie eating contest, but like Joe Alt is a top eight, top 10 top like he he's in like not just a first round pick he is a high level first round pick and I know um you know Blake Fisher at right tackle he's kind of had some struggles here in the you know at various points of this season but eventually when he comes out like the talent is there whether that's in 24 or 25 like the talent is there for him to be a first round pick and I think you kind of saw that in that um in that Ohio State game where, you know, there were just moments where you looked at him and looked at that Notre Dame offensive line is like, wow, like these are two really good tackles. Like these are two NFL tackles and they are NFL tackles. I just think the, the ceiling for Notre Dame is higher. Like I, 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 I look at that offensive line, like you could convince me that Wisconsin has like three guys, four guys, however you want to say it, three or four guys that are going to get drafted or have a chance to make it in the NFL. And I think that that's totally fair. But Notre Dame, I think, has the higher end offensive line. Um, and, I, and I actually think it's kind of the inverse for the running back, the, the running back situation. Like, Audrey Gestime is a really good college back, but I don't know what else. Like, I, I don't think Audrey Gestime, I think Audrey Gestime is faster than his size would indicate. I think Ohio State kind of saw that. I mean, that's a dude who's like 230 and, and he can actually move really well. But. I think Braylon Allen is the better pure running back. So I think it's kind of a mix. I think, you know, Wisconsin maybe has the higher floor when it comes to that. Like, I think when when everything is 70 and sunny for them, it's really good. Um, I I think Braylon, I would take Braylon Allen over Audrick Estime, barely. And I would take Notre Dame's offensive line over Wisconsin's offensive line, barely. So it's it's close, I think, on both fronts. Nathan, is that the right combination? Notre Dame offensive line, Wisconsin running back. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, but I, but I also think that again, what what Wisconsin the other there's a lot of other factors here that 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 kind of amplify everything that Wisconsin has. Um, you know, Ohio State is coming off of a heck of a week. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you beat you beat Penn State the way you beat them, and then you have all of this noise that's going on outside with Michigan right now. And uh, and now you're going on the road and it happens to be a place where this isn't going on the road to Purdue. Like this isn't going on the road to I don't even know if it's like going on the road to Notre Dame. I thought Notre Dame was a good environment. This is a different environment. Like Camp Randall is an experience and it's going to be a night game. There's any number of things that are going on here that that make it 
that I think just kind of amplify how hard it can be to go on the road and, and match up against these guys. So um, I think all those things are a little bit of a factor here too. So Notre Dame, I do think has, I mean, it certainly has the higher end NFL prospects right now on its offensive line, but collectively this offensive line is just a, it's just the next one in the line of what is the identity of this program. And there's something to be said for that. Like this is, uh, this is just what they do. They crank these guys out year after year after year after year. And it's always an excellent group. So I wouldn't expect anything less than that. Luke Fickle, and we'll, we'll get into that, that emotional side of it with Luke Fickle on his spot as well, because that matters when you're talking about a situation like this. This is going to be his second time getting a chance to go up against Ohio State. And he's looking to put up a better performance than they did in 2019 when they got shut out when he was at Cincinnati. But I want to start with the quarterback situation. Tanner Mordecai is out. He got injured the week before the Illinois game, I believe that was the case. The I think it was the Iowa game. I believe six years quarterback started his career at Oklahoma for three years, then transferred to SMU. And then was at Wisconsin this season. He was their starter at the beginning of the year. Luke Fickle came in trying to update Wisconsin's passing attack going forward. And he's in year one of that. So, so far it hasn't necessarily lived up to the billing before Tanner Mordecai got hurt. He was only completing 63.7% of his passes. He had three touchdowns and three interceptions. The receiving core is okay. But nobody has more than one touchdown, and that's four different people, plus Nolan Rucci, the offensive lineman who scored the game-winning touchdown against Illinois this past weekend on a trick play. Braden Locke has stepped in. He stepped in in the in the Illinois game. He was the one who threw that touchdown. How much of a factor, Nathan, does that matter? If they had Tanner Mordecai, what percentage? If the passing attack, if you think it's a two-and-a-half without Tanner Mordecai, two-and-a-half out of ten, how much higher – is the ceiling on it if Tanner Mordecai were playing on Saturday? It's higher with Mordecai. He, though, had not exactly done what I thought he might do this year, which is kind of really invigorate the, the passing side of things. I guess we've been waiting for the guy who's going to do that for Wisconsin and uh, it for years, and it's just never really happened. And before he got hurt, I mean, QB rating was like 118, um, averaging 6.3 yards per attempt. Um, it just wasn't anything. Um, it was just a you know your run of the mill Big Ten quarterback, which I, I always <laughs> I always want to make sure how much people know that that's more an insult than a compliment when I say yeah, it. But we it, say it a lot over the course of this podcast. And in parentheses, sorry, that's it's just derogatory it in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about guys who are like thirty points below in their in their efficiency rating below like the Talia Tagovailoa level, and then there's a level above him, right, of the actually best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. So, it, it, but it, he still was the guy who won that job and is, I think has the, the higher ceiling overall. Um, the thing that I think is going to be tricky about Wisconsin, though, regardless of personnel, and Jim Knowles brought it up this week, like this is still, like they're in transition, right? Like they, they brought in a new coach who has new ideas, and they're keeping sort of the foundation of the program while also adding in this new element and and trying to maybe di diversify themselves and be a little bit more dynamic on offense. And the way that Knowles talked about it was, you know, they spread the field more and they're challenging with the RPO, RPO game. So that makes them multidimensional because they still have the runs and they still have built-in passes off of them. So it makes you play more honest. And I thought that was an interesting thing for him to say. Because this isn't a theoretical thing. Like Ohio State played Wisconsin last year. They beat them 52 to 21. And it felt to me like Knowles was saying that last year he didn't have to play. He didn't have to call as honest of a game. The defense didn't have to play as honest. You could you could sell out on things a little bit more because you didn't respect the other half of the attack. And this year, I'm not saying that he thinks that the, he's certainly not talking about skill here. He's not talking about skill position talent especially with a new quarterback that they're only seeing a little bit or what they have at receiver I think he's just talking about the approach and what an offense is going to, to figuratively and literally throw at you so that's kind of what I have my eye on on Saturday is is this less about where Wisconsin can match Ohio State in talent because I, I just offensive talent I just don't think they can other than Braylon Allen and some of those offensive linemen but what you're talking about in terms of being able to mix things up and keep a defense 
off guard and catch a defense off guard, keep a defense on its heels a little bit. Wisconsin is trending towards being able to do that. I don't know that they'll get there this week, but that's what we think the end result of the Luke Fickle era is going to be, right? That they're transitioning to, he's not, he's not going to be stuck in the past with Wisconsin. I think what has made him a, a really smart pick for them was someone who would recognize um, keeping the like sort of established foundation that I was talking about before, but then also just modernizing it and bringing in a, a new way to do things and melding those things together. And I think that's possible, and I think they will get there and, and be a, a tougher team down the line for Ohio State. And that's the other part of the Luke Fickle situation here is, you know, when they played with Cincinnati a couple of years ago in 2019, first of all, that Cincinnati team was not the Cincinnati team that it was just a couple of years later. They were still building towards Correct. that. Correct. Number one. Number two, they just happened to be playing like one of the greatest Ohio State teams of all time. Like that 2019 team. I mean, that's not fair. Like that 2019 team would have, I think, pulverized the 2021 Cincinnati team too. They wouldn't have beat them 42 to nothing, but I, that team was significantly better talent-wise than 2021 Cincinnati was, even with Sauce Gardner and, and, and Brian, all those other guys, uh, Desmond Ritter. Like it was better. Just top to bottom. So those two things are going against him. But then you also had, uh, oh, and he's also playing in Ohio Stadium. But then there also was a more like, well, this is like my one shot at Ohio State. Well, now you're in the Big Ten. And you're not going to play them every year. But you could regularly play Ohio State going forward. So you don't have to, you don't have to equalize the whole relationship anymore in one game. You get your, you'll get multiple shots. They want to win Saturday for sure. I think Wisconsin's going to take a great shot at trying to beat Ohio State on Saturday. But he also doesn't have to beat him five times, beat Ohio State five times in one shot. Like he'll get his chance to finally get his Ohio State win a year from now, two years from now, four years from now. It's coming. I, I thought the interesting thing about the Luke Fickle situation in 2019 was, I, you're right, first and foremost, that team was not nearly as talented as it was when they made the playoff two years later. A lot of those players were on that 19 team, but you have to remember that they were very young. Sauce Gardner was a true freshman that season, so he didn't play a lot of snaps in that 2019 So he wasn't Sauce Gardner yet. He was just a mod Gardner at that point. Kobe Bryant wasn't Kobe Bryant yet. He was the guy who was named after the, you know, Hall of Fame NBA player. But that that team did grow a couple years later, and maybe they would have been in a a better position to put up a better fight. But also, he even admitted after that game, and then when we got a chance to talk with him at Big Ten Media Days, he kind of alluded to the same things. He tried so hard to not make that a thing that it became a thing. And he he gets it. He's a former coach at Ohio State who was the interim head coach for a year, longtime defensive coordinator, longtime linebackers coach. He played linebacker at Ohio State. He is a Buckeye. Through and through. Fun fact, Luke Fickle, Stephen Means, same high school, different time periods, but both went to St. Francis de Sales, which R.J. Day, the son of Ryan Day, now goes to. So go Stallions. Luke Fickle actually spoke at, he was the commencement speaker at my graduation in 2012. So, wow. Yeah, man. We talked about that at Big Ten Media Days. And then, yeah, that was about it. So go Stallions out there, man, wherever you guys are, if you're listening to this podcast. But anyway, well, did he, he, well he, hang on. Did he, did he talk about his plan for Wisconsin football at this commencement speech? Or, or did he, like, what did he talk he, about? He was on page 300 of his manifesto <laughs> yeah. at that point. Was, yeah, he was. <laughs> was he, where was, who was he coaching for? Was he still at Ohio State at that time? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the, I graduated 2012. So that fall, he would have been the interim coach in 2011. So he was coming off of that season, I believe. Yeah, so he was still at Ohio State. But the point is, he long time, he's a Buckeye through and through, and he understood that a lot of the attention was going to be about the fact that this was his first time as a head coach going up against the school that he had spent his entire life being associated with. And he tried so, he like shut down interviews for that week and tried so hard to not make it a thing that I think it psyched out him and his team. And whatever shot they were going to put up, just didn't happen. They were probably going to get blown out anyway because, Nathan, as you mentioned, that's probably one of the most complete teams in Ohio State football history. But I don't know if they get shut out if he doesn't approach it that way. Now he's on a, in a program now where the talent level is expected to be higher, especially as he gets into the job here. But he's also just approaching it a little bit differently. And not he's embracing the fact that this is going to be a thing and not letting that get in the way of things. Andrew, one more thing I want to talk about before we bring Tishu in. Nathan's brought up the twenty. 22 game a couple of times. Ohio State won that game 52 to 21 at home. I think, and Nathan, maybe you agree with this, this was probably one of the more complete games 
Ohio State played last year, when you're talking about having two running backs who both had 100 yards, why are both of you smiling at me right now? <laughs> well, so, so okay, so Checking what happened is we are doing this on Thursday at 1.46 p.m., and we have a flight on Friday at 1.45 p.m., and oh, yeah. uh, we both had to check into our flights <laughs> on this podcast. So I texted Nathan, B06, baby, because I'm on a Southwest flight with him, and he said B04. So he got me by two slots. <laughs> Shout out to Southwest, I guess. Gotta be <laughs> uh, savvy veteran. Just do things like normal and just have assigned seating. It's not going to kill you. Listen, no, it just means that Nathan has a better get off at the line of scrimmage than you do, man. He got That's the it. sack and uh, yeah, you just got he pressure. He got home. You didn't. But what are we expecting to see from Kyle McCord? CJ Stroud in that game, 17 of 27, 281 yards, five touchdowns. He had a weird interception in that game. But the offense was very complete, both in the passing game and the run game. And CJ Stroud was cooking. Kyle McCord, he's been good and he's progressed, but we haven't necessarily seen a complete game from Kyle McCord in the offense. If we're expecting him to have his full beret of weapons at his disposal, and it's also game eight of his career as a full-time starter i know he started in Gonzaga, but eighth game as a full-time starter what are you expecting to see from kyle mccord in this environment yeah well i think it's a it's a big atmosphere right i mean nathan mentioned that you know camp randall's a little bit different than some of these other places you know camp randall is is up there with happy valley and some of the other you know tougher places to play in the big 10 so you've got to handle that you've got to manage those kind of emotions and you've got to do all that because again this is going to be I mean this is just kind of repeating the Notre Dame conversation that we had with him you know I I understand he's more experienced than he was a month ago but it was also only a month ago and it was I mean he also hasn't really played a big time road game since then uh with I mean maybe with all due respect to Purdue and Ross Aid Stadium, that is just not a big time. You don't have to show them respect. So, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the situation that you're in. So I, I think the expectation for him this week, especially this week, you kind of look at, again, I I repeat this a lot and Tishu, I'm sure we'll bring this up. Vegas, not stupid. And this over under is 45 and a half. And or it's kind of hanging around in the mid 40s like this isn't a game that people are expecting to be high scoring. This is kind of a game that and I agree with and I agree actually with Vegas. I think that Wisconsin's defense is actually pretty good. And and I understand it's kind of hilarious comparing Wisconsin's defense to Ohio State's defense. Wisconsin's defense is 26 in the country in yards per play, 4.91 yards per play. That's pretty good. Um, you know, that, that's pretty solid. I understand they haven't really had, I mean, when you got Iowa on your schedule, that's just like a free square, but it's still pretty good. You've still got, um, you know, a pretty solid defense. Luke Fickle is going to be ready for this. You can't have the mistakes with that type of environment then. And I think that that is the issue. I mean, look at some of the games that Ohio state has dropped on the road that you haven't expected them to drop on the road in the last few years. I know this was like a, you know, this was a talking point for a lot of people just kind of when we were hanging around at the Woody was that 2017 Iowa game uh, was it the first play I think was a pick six. Like you can't have those type of plays in this type of environment where you have a road crowd that's fired up, that's ready to go. And it's going to be a game where you can't make mistakes. So that's that I think should be the expectation. And I think that that's his next evolution is that you don't make that backbreaking mistake, that you eliminate the play where, you know, Penn State has a return for a touchdown against, um, you know, against that offense and it gets waved back because of a holding call. Or, you know, you have that throw where he threw the out route when they were up seven trying to kick a field goal to go up two scores where he threw it high and inside. That's a dangerous throw. And one of these times it's going to bite you in the butt and you've got to take those, you got to take those things away. You can continue to evolve and continue to put up points and yards and, you know, kind of keep elevating the ceiling, but you've also kind of got to eliminate the simple things and the dumb things that could really hurt you. Um, you know, what do they, I mean, the, what do they say? The great players make simple plays. Sometimes you just have to make the simple play and avoid the backbreaking mistake because this is a Wisconsin team that can hurt you on the ground. And if it's, you know, a, a situation where it's a close game and Wisconsin's moving the ball on the ground, you give the ball up, you might not see it for seven minutes if, if that's the way that the game is going. So you've really got to be careful and protect the football this week. And I think that that's what I would expect him to do. I think that's really going to be a point of emphasis for Ohio State. 
And I think that that's kind of what my, Kyle McCord needs to show me next in, uh, next in his evolution. Nathan, Kyle McCord actually touched on that on Wednesday evening, how that's part of his game. He's still trying to develop is taking care of the ball. And a lot of it is, I thought he made a valid point. It's just, it's a on the job development course because he hasn't played football until this year, really in a significant way since high school. And you can't get touched in practice. Your interceptions typically get blown dead. There's no consequences for your decisions. He called it weighing the risk and the reward. And the risk doesn't have consequences in practice the same way it does in a game. And so far, when he's taken that risk and it hasn't paid off, something has happened that he hasn't had to pay the consequence, whether it's the Penn State game where Kalen King holds Marvin Harrison Jr. So the 60-yard scooping score gets called back. Or the week before that against Purdue when it's, it, call, it gets called an intentional grounding instead of it being a fumble. Against Maryland, it was just at a, I mean, the game was pretty much intact at that point. But the weird, instead of taking the sack, pitching it to chip train him for like an 18-yard loss. We haven't seen it come back to bite him in the butt yet, but he does understand that it's something that still needs to continue to improve. And the only way it does is game by game by game. And hopefully he never has to pay the cost for him making those mistakes. I asked Andrew that question. I'll ask you, what is something you want to see from Kyle McCord against Wisconsin that lets you know he's continuing his progression forward. I think there's a an, an accuracy step to still be made for him. I thought it got a little bit loose to um a, a little bit last week um against Penn State and I think there's still a step to be made there. I guess what I'm looking for is um and and in some ways it, it we have to still be always comparing McCord to himself. Because we came into this season saying he didn't have to be as great as his predecessors, right? He had to be good, but he didn't have to be what C.J. Stroud was. It was about the rest of this team leveling up and kind of helping kind of be a higher foundation for them, for, for them to, to grow into this. And that is happening. Like, the, the way this defense is playing, um, the performances you're getting from Marvin Harrison Jr., like, some of, a lot of that is happening. So I think for him, it's I just want to see a step forward. And if that sounds too basic, I don't know that we have seen a big step forward for him. We thought there would be one maybe coming out of the Notre Dame game. We thought that maybe that would be something that like triggered something. And now he'd get a week off to then go reassess those first four weeks and come out and it'd be a lot cleaner. And I don't think that's happened. I don't think that it's been bad, but I don't think it's like... So maybe that's what I'm looking for this week is just another week where some of those moments that are clearly there where you're like, oh, wow, like that's that's really good. Like just string some more of those together. And because I think for him, it's all about doing that. It's all about just cleaning things up and building over these next three, four weeks to what he's going to have to be on the road at Ann Arbor. You can use this as like a microcosm of what it is like to go into Ann Arbor. I mean, it's going to be a hostile crowd. It's going to be a very electric environment. Um, it's not going to have the stakes, like the spiritual and maybe actual stakes that the Michigan game is going to have, but you can still use this as like a, a training ground for that. And can, you know, how do you rise above the moment there and like excel above the moment, excel above what you've been doing here these last three, four weeks? I think there is something to the day says this a lot, making the routine plays routine. I think he's good. He's really good in moments where they absolutely need him to be really good. And the Notre Dame game taught us that. I think the second half of the Penn State game in some ways taught us that. When they need it, he's on. But there is almost the routine, kind of boring, good stuff that's just – it's not spectacular, but it's it's necessary. And he said keeping this team on schedule. I do agree with that. If That's where the step is. It's the I, I called it the second and third quarter stuff. I think on the Monday pod, I think that's a better way to put it though. When it's second and five, and it's a simple out route, do you complete that, or does he come out when Ryan Day is clearly going to try to come out on Saturday and get Marvin Harrison Jr. going early? Does he is if Marvin gets five targets on the first drive, can he complete four of them? And the one misses, oh, they took a shot. And Wisconsin just played really good defense on it. You know, can he just do the routine stuff? Because I think as he starts doing that, Nathan, you mentioned QB rating all the time. And you know, there's quarterback percentages. Right now, he's at 63.9% on the season, 1,937 yards and 12 touchdowns. I think 
if he starts doing some of that routine, boring, good stuff a little more often and being a little bit more efficient there, that's when you'll see him start to be where CJ and Justin were from an efficiency standpoint, where they were 69% and above. They were quarterback ratings through the roof, what we're typically used to seeing against Ohio State. And that doesn't mean he's as good as those guys. It just means that his floor is where their floor was week in and week out. We're going to take a quick break there. And then when we come back, per usual, with the Friday pod, kicking Nathan and Andrew out of here, and Tishu will join us. Well, he will give us some of the best bets and see where he feels about the line, which is a little different. His line in the TSI index is a little different than the 14-and-a-half line that Vegas has for this Ohio State-Wisconsin game. So we'll get into more of that when we return here on Buckeye Talk. And we're back on Buckeye Talk, and I'm joined by Tishu once again, giving you some of the best bets you should have on the week for Ohio State. Tishu, looking at your index, Ohio State's favored by 16. Yep. Yeah, I think the line for Ohio State opened up, I think, 14. Uh, Vegas opened it up at. Why the two-point difference for you? Yeah, I mean, Ohio State's still my number one defense in the country. Um, <laughs> offense, number 15. So, you know, still solid, but not, you know, a, a lot of that's thanks to Marv, obviously. But uh, <laughs> offense offense still, still rated pretty solid. Wisconsin, though, they're number 54 on offense, and that's not even factoring in the fact that Tanner Mordecai's out, uh, their starting quarterback. So, you know, I don't adjust for injuries, but obviously that will have an impact on the game. Uh, the Wisconsin defense, the better of the two units for them, they're number 25 on defense. So, you know, neither side of the ball for Wisconsin is like elite. So I, I really don't think Ohio State should have a whole lot of trouble here as long as they come in, you know, th- this is – kind of a classic letdown spot as we've as we've seen not just from Ohio State but around the country over the years you know you have a big emotional win like last week in a game that you were really hyped up for now you got to turn around go on the road to a tough place to play at night so as long as they come in mentally focused I don't think anything from the football standpoint uh, indicates that Ohio State should have any trouble here. Ohio State's been habitually the under all year with the betting lines. And a lot of that is the fact that the offense is Marvin Harrison Jr. a bust right now. Is this a good week for that to start changing for Ohio State as potentially as they get Emeka Ibuka back, potentially they get Trayvon Henderson back, but also just game eight with Kyle McCord as your starting quarterback? Yeah, I, I think so. I I don't know that I would have enough confidence in Wisconsin to help contribute much to this total. Uh, I would lean to the over here. I mean, it's pretty low. 43 and a half is the current, the current total as of Thursday morning. And that's that's pretty low. So I would lean to the over. I don't, again, I'm not going to like run to my app to, to bet an over on, on Ohio state right now with, with the way the offense has stagnated at times and as good as the defense is. But I do, again, you know, last year we had the first quarter overs this year. It's the, the opposing team total unders. As long as we're going to get this thing at under 14 and a half and getting that, you know, half point is, is key here. I'm going to keep betting these opponent team total unders because Ohio state is just not giving up touchdowns. So let's get into our individual props. I mean, the caged over one just keeps hitting. It just keeps hitting. It keeps hitting. It keeps hitting. I'm assuming you're once again telling, like, listen, pay attention to caged over because that one keeps hitting. But anything else? Are you, am I right, first of all, that the caged over one is still in a good yep. bet for people this week? Yeah, caged over over. I mean, it's only 47 and a half. I mean, last week it was 42 and a half, I think. Five more yards. Like, I, I just don't. You know, because even even if teams are going to play, you know, bend but don't break against Ohio State, and they're going to try to not give up these big plays, Kate Stowe, you know, the tight end is the perfect remedy to that. You know, getting those chunk fifteen yard catches over the middle that that he tends to get. Like I, I'm going to keep going back to this until eyes make us catch on. So yeah, so I'm on the Wisconsin team total under fourteen and a half. I'm on Kate Stover over forty seven and a half. And then as you mentioned, like I, the line fourteen and a half. It, you know, is that at the minus 110 odds, you can do an alternate spread on pretty much all the apps. I know definitely DraftKings and, and FanDuel. The difference between 14 and a half and 16 and a half in, in the way games are scored is really not that much, but you can get Ohio State minus 16 and a half at plus 102 odds. So I think, I think that's the angle I would take here on the, on the side of the game. I think I'm, I'm going to take Ohio State minus 16 and a half at plus money at plus 102 on the alternate line. And that's just as much to do with, with Wisconsin and 
them them losing Tanner Mordecai, their quarterback, but also they just haven't been very good on offense. I mean, they had to win a game against Illinois with a trick play throwing against, throwing the ball to a backup offensive lineman. That's just as much to do with Wisconsin as it is what we've seen from Ohio State, especially defense, correct? Yeah, because I mean, I just I don't think Ohio State's gonna, you know, I don't think they're gonna have to score forty five points to cover this number. Like I, I think if they get in the thirties, they're gonna have a you know a great a great chance to cover this, you know, win by seventeen or more. So even if it's 31-14, we're going to cash both of those, you know, the side and the, and the team total under. So I, I I think that's a pretty pretty likely outcome here. So let's look around the country. Some decent football games this weekend. Now we're, we're getting we're creeping on November, where a lot of the big games are typically located, especially in conference play. Any games going into week? I believe this is week nine. I believe week nine. Yeah, yeah, week nine, week nine, week game eight for Ohio State. Any other games that? caught your eye you know i unfortunately i don't have any action currently on any of the kind of marquee games you know there's some big ones with florida georgia obviously brock bowers being out oregon goes to utah i mean there, there's going to be some good games this weekend from a betting perspective though i'm going to go to the Sun Belt for two bets i like troy um they're going to texas state troy's a four and a half point favorite on the road i like troy to cover the four and a half and then i also like Staying in the Sun Belt, uh, UL Monroe, Arkansas State, under 56 and a half. That's a relatively high-ish total for two teams that don't know what offense is. So I'm, I'm going to take the under there, under 56 and a half. So they're from the Iowa tree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will, honestly, I was probably jealous of UL Monroe's offense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Well, that'll wrap up another week with T-Shu. Once again, giving you some of the best bet- betting advice out there. Seriously. Go check out his T-Shu and TSI Index, both college football and the NFL. It's helped me. It could help you as well. And when we come back here, Nathan, myself, and Andrew, we'll give our game picks on Ohio State's game against Wisconsin. And we're back on Buckeye Talk. It's time for us to make our game pick. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, and Drew Gillis. The line right now, Ohio State is favored by 14 and a half points with an over under of 45 and a half for the 730 kickoff inside Camp Randall at Wisconsin, Ohio State versus the Badgers. Nathan, what's your game score? I am going 31-13 Ohio State, which I know to, to some people probably doesn't sound like a, enough of a, a, a thrashing of a team, but I think it's going to look kind of like another thrashing. Um, I think there's some things at play here, you know, having to go on the road uh, against a team like this, uh, a coach like this, it, it's a good program. I know they're still building towards something, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little wary of, of not giving them some credit for that this week. And you've got a guy in Braylon Allen who, as he showed last year in Ohio Stadium, can break one if he needs to. I just don't think that Michigan, or I'm sorry, Wisconsin is going to, is going to drive the ball consistently. I just don't think they can. Um, I don't know that they're any better than Penn State was last week, and they're probably not even as good as someone like Maryland. And I don't think that in the passing game, maybe they have the same uh, threats, especially with a, with a change of quarterback right now. Uh, this should just be another week, I think, where this Ohio State defense can really keep a team um, really smothered for the most part. And then it's just a matter of, does this offense click into another level? With Trevin Henderson back and that backfield we think fully healthy with Emeka Ibuka potentially back like there's going to be an opportunity here to for my 31 points to be way off they scored 52 against them last year at uh, Ohio Stadium obviously I just think that right now I'm in a mode when I'm picking scores I think it picking a a big margin uh, but with a low score for the opponent is kind of the way to go and I think that's where the Vegas lines are kind of taking us now right so 31-13 would be uh, would be Ohio State covering the spread, but it would be under the 45 and a half. So I'm right there along with you. 34-10 Ohio State wins. That's Ohio State covering, but it's literally right under the under. It's just Ohio State's been under all year, and some of it has been about their offense, but some of it has just also been about the teams they've played. I just don't believe in Wisconsin's offense. It's We've seen Ohio State shut down the run enough times that if Ohio State, even if Braylon Allen gashes a couple of times to start the game, especially while they're still in their script, the moment Jim Knowles starts making adjustments, if Ohio State shuts down Braylon Allen, I'm just not quite sure where Wisconsin goes offensively to move the ball and to put points on the board. While with Ohio State, 
Wisconsin's defense is is pretty decent. They're top 26 in the country in yards per play, but they're not Penn State where they're going to completely shut you down and Kyle McCord is going to be under duress for most of the afternoon. Plus, Marvin Harrison Jr. is just awesome. He's going to do what Marvin Harrison Jr. does. Plus, if you move Travion Henderson and Emeka Ibuka back into the fold, that's just more guys for Kyle McCord and Ryan Day to get involved with this offense. And I do think we start to see the things start clicking, but I'm just not sure yet to put Ohio State in the world where they're a 40-point offense. They just might be a 30-point offense, and that's okay with what you have in this defense. So that's Ohio State covering, but I'm also taking the under Ohio State 34, Wisconsin 10. Andrew, are you going to join us in the Ohio State cover, but it's an underworld? Yeah, I am, actually. Uh, Nathan and I almost would have had a big fight because last week Nathan went first, and he picked 24-20, Ohio State, and I also picked 24-20. I picked Ohio State 30, Wisconsin 13. Um, so we're pretty much on the same page again. I I think that this is a scenario kind of like you guys were saying where this is going under. I feel good about, I feel better about the under than I do about Ohio State covering. Um, I, I look at this game as one that Wisconsin is going to try and, you know, kind of milk the clock, run the game down, shorten the game, you know, make it so Ohio State has to has to move the ball down the field, you know, and in a manner that is not going to be conducive to explosive plays. I'm not saying it's going to work, but I mean, I think that's what Wisconsin is going to try and do. Um, you know, you mentioned Wisconsin's offense. Look, I, I mean, it, there's a scenario out there where Wisconsin scores six points. You know, they kick two field goals and they go home. And if that's the case, I I, I don't know how this game goes over. Um, you know, is is Ohio State going to score forty? Is Ohio State going to win 40 to 6 if that happens? I I just think that Ohio State's defense is is too good. I think Wisconsin might have a little bit more impact on the ground than people might want. But again, this is just it's a tricky spot. I don't think it's going to feel like 30 to 13 the entire way. I think it's going to be a little bit more kind of feeling like the Maryland game where I guess on the scoreboard you could say, oh, well, Maryland, you know, they're in the game and, blah, 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 you know, they got a shot. I don't think I, I think that it will be very practically oh, they won't have a shot. I think Ohio State's going to win this game. They're going to win by a couple touchdowns. You're going to look at it and you're going to say, wow, not the cleanest performance for the Buckeyes, but they got a couple things to work out. And I, I mean, this is truly the last hurdle until you get to the Michigan game. If you want to even call this a hurdle, I think. Because, I mean, you got Rutgers, and then you got Michigan State, and then you got Minnesota. And I would, I mean, that line is going to be up north of 20, I would bet, for at least two of those games. So, you know, this is kind of the last major hurrah for Ohio State. You know, they're going to be double-digit favorites, I think, pretty clearly for the rest of the way up until that final Michigan game. So get through this one, and I think that it's just going to be a a little bit sluggish because of last week's game against Penn State but they're going to win by 17 points and we're going under. So that's three covers, three unders for your Ohio state game picks here on Buckeye talk. Nathan and Andrew will be in Wisconsin for that game. I won't be. I'll be at a wedding, but they'll be there holding the fort down. Get the text 614-350-3315. All information, all news, all analysis coming to your phone first. Two-week free trial, $399 after that. Go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, I wanted to bring something up because I think it's it's been an interesting trend here the last few weeks in in uh in the in the betting that we do here. In uh for the Maryland game, uh Stephen Means picked an over under of 57 for that game. Um, he picked it to go over. He picked it to go over 57. Yeah. In the Purdue game, Stephen Means picked that game to go under 50 and a half. Yeah. And last week against Penn State, Stephen Means had a game pick of Ohio State covering the four and a half point spread. Now, mm-hmm. we, uh, if you look at our website, we uh, start the season with 100 Buckeye Talk tokens, fake pieces <laughs> of currency. Fake. I want to emphasize <laughs> how fake this currency is. It doesn't really <laughs> exist except digitally on this thing that we post each week. In each like of those three though. bets that I just mentioned, Stephen, who started the year with a bankroll of a hundred and still has most of that bankroll. Do you remember how much you bet you bet on each of those outcomes, Stephen? I know it was less than three Buckeye talk tokens. It was one. <laughs> it was one yeah. token. You bet yeah. one. One. Token. I've been very conservative. 
conservative. <laughs> I just want people to know that, like, that is about as as meek as you can be as a gambler. <laughs> that when it's fake, fake money, you still are only betting one thing. Now you did bet more on some of the mm. other accompanying bets that went with that. You bet five against. The, the spread against Maryland, yeah. you bet uh, four against the spread against Purdue. You bet four again on the over under that. But that to me almost still emphasizes because none of those are big numbers either. And no, you're still not. only betting one. So uh, I'm expecting you to let your hair down yeah, at some yeah, point yeah, this year yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and actually put your money where your mouth is. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. I'm pretty sure I went bigger during the Notre Dame game and it came to haunt me. It bit me in the butt and I've been overcorrecting for the weeks since because I just don't know how to bet this team yet. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's time for me to go big or go home in a week here. I've been <laughs> against Kevin, Notre Dame. Kevin Wilson. Yeah, Kevin Wilson used to say this about the running backs. You got to take the singles every so often. Just take the singles and doubles and not always try to hit the home run. I've been taking singles and doubles. Really, I've just been taking getting walked for the last couple of weeks here. So it's time for me to actually go up there and swing my bat. So listen, the Notre Dame game, by the way, on the uh, over under of that game, you did you did go all out. You bet two tokens on the over under for that game. Uh, so you're right. I can see why you were. Listen, <laughs> scared money doesn't make money. A wise man once said. And I'm just, I'm just throwing Blue's it out reaper. there. Maybe it's time to, it's time to open up the the wallet a little bit here. Um. <laughs> That's fair. I, I, you know what? I'm gonna say it right here on Buckeye Talk. Okay. So that Let's, way it's locked in. So yeah. when I actually send this to Nathan Baird, he can call me out if I don't keep it the same. I'm saying Ohio State's gonna cover, and I'm gonna put 15 Buckeye Talk tokens on it right now. I, I don't believe in Wisconsin's offense at all. It's it's Braylon Allen or nothing. And I just watched Ohio State shut down two running backs where, Nathan, you said it, they haven't lived up to the expectation, but I think they're still talented. They're just not playing up to the level of their talent. And Ohio State made them a non-factor. So I'll put, I'm going to put 15 on wow, the cover. Okay. The, the, the over-under, look, man, I might, I might try to hit me another single. <laughs> we'll see. But I'm saying it right now. 15. On Ohio State covering that 14 and a half spread that they have coming into this game. All right. It's locked in. It's locked in. I, I was waiting. I was I was waiting to see how many more weeks until you called me out on that. So this is almost the perfect I've week been, to do it. I've been texting Tishu about it for a couple of weeks and we've been laughing about it. But uh I the now was the after the third week, it was like something's gotta be said here. And really, if you take it back to Notre Dame, it's four weeks. Like like two, yeah. two is still pretty thin. Um, I don't think I've bet that low on anything yet this year. I'd have to go back and look. I know I haven't bet one. Which is hilarious because he also has the highest bankroll right now coming into this game. So maybe you're on to something that, you know, you should put your your snuff behind your bets here. Put your snuff behind your bets. (laughs) Okay. well, Maybe. (laughs) So... I won't be at the game, so I won't know until I'm at, I'm not gonna watch the game live because I'm gonna be at a wedding. So I, I'm very excited, Nathan, for our we watch for the Monday pod because I think that's gonna be my first time watching it live, which I think might be entertaining in itself to get immediate reaction from me. Of I haven't seen this live, I'm just gonna watch it, and you're gonna there's gonna be moments where you're like, yeah, that happened, and he's like, yeah, that was really good. So I think that will make for a good Monday pod. But before that, Nathan and Andrew will have the post game pod for you after Ohio State's. 7.30 kickoff on NBC against Wisconsin. They'll get that up as quick as they can. It's a road yeah. game, so you're always looking for a place to try to pod. So with those night games, it's going to be more like a morning pod, so just kind of bear with them as they're trying to figure out travel. And I was going to say, like, just so people know, like that, that one will probably be a shorter pod. We'll get mm-hmm. it up as quick as we can, so it'll probably be up overnight. I mean, as soon as we can after the game, probably in the car on our way south. We have a like mid-morning flight on Sunday morning. So uh, out of Chicago, so um, that it'll be a quick process to get that up. And then Steven and I, I would imagine it's probably going to be later Monday morning before that pod gets up. Mm-hmm. because I don't know that we'll have an opportunity to do the kind of rewatch and the analysis that we want to do until Monday mm-hmm. morning. So just keep that in mind that this is just one of those weeks, the 730 kickoffs 
hey, you, everybody likes them because especially when they're home games because all the recruits come in and you get the fun environment. But this is the cost of it. Is it just it, it, logistically? It, we'll have to scramble some things. So bear with us. We'll be we'll still have all the pods. They're just going to come at a slightly different timing than usual. So listen, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Type in Buckeye Talk on YouTube and video reactions going up after the game. We grade Kyle McCord. We talk about other stuff that's going on in the game. So if you want many little versions of what Buckeye Talk is, go to our YouTube channel. We put up shorts a lot now. Listen, we're really getting into the YouTube game over here. So go subscribe to that page and get the text 614-350-3315. Andrew and Nathan, Friday night, they're going to go see a five-star defensive lineman by the name of Justin Scott. And I'm sure Andrew will be texting off that. And both of those guys will be texting plenty of the Ohio State-Wisconsin game before the game, during the game, maybe a little bit after the game as well. So get the text 614-350-3315. Two-week free trial, $399 after that. That'll wrap up this game preview pod for Ohio State 730 kickoff against Wisconsin on NBC in Madison, Wisconsin for Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, and for T-Shoe. I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.